Hello and welcome back to New Paradigm Healing. This series focuses on ayahuasca-assisted therapy. Our intention is to educate, inform, and support the conscious and responsible use of ayahuasca in the Western context. If you want to know more about ayahuasca-assisted therapy and our upcoming trainings and workshops, sign up for our mailing list to be the first one to know about the latest news at avatarhealingarts.com. Hi, beautiful people. This is Nina Itzel, and I'm, I'm super happy to be back with the next podcast, sending lots of love to you wherever you are in the world. And I'm here today with Dr. Scott Irvin, uh, who is like just has amazing wisdom and experience uh, regarding this amazing medicine and other healing modalities as well. So I'm very, very excited to dive into a conversation with him today. I hope you're going to enjoy. So here we go. Welcome, Scott. It's so nice to, to have you here. You are in Colombia right now. No, in Ecuador. Hi, Nina. Hi, oh, Nina. Ecuador. Yeah. Ecuador. Yeah. Very close. Very Why close. do you think it's Colombia? I don't know. Yeah, In yes. my mind, it was Colombia. South America. <laughs> yeah. yeah. South America. And you just moved there recently, right? Yeah, I'm. Um, yeah, I'm down in an area very close to Puyo, um, which is the kind of south, more southern, central area in the rainforest here, and um, working with a uh, with an indigenous tribe, um, who is they're known as the uh, the Kichwa tribe. And they live in a um, in a cultural community named Sachawasi, and uh, so I've been uh, down here uh, working with them, both from a, uh, helping rebuild their infrastructure uh, for their community, which depends on cultural tourism uh, for their you know for their main um, income, and as well as uh, doing uh, medicine retreats down here. That's awesome. So let's start with a little bit your story. Like, how do you, how did you end up, you know, working with this medicine and eventually in, in Ecuador where you are right now, if you want to just, you know, tell us a little bit about your journey. My journey. Okay. Well, um, I, I guess my, just my background, I mean, just generally speaking, I'm kind of at this intersection between modern functional medicine and leading edge psychology and ancient spiritual traditions and and the sacred plant medicines of the amazon and so um i had uh, got a degree a, a phd and in, uh, in transpersonal psychology and uh, another doctorate in uh, psychotherapy and uh, i've you know been in this you know in the field of the helper the helping field for for a couple of decades and my specialties were in transpersonal psychology, functional medicine, blood chemistry analysis, naturopathic medicine, you know, therapeutic laser, you know, complementary alternative medicine. Um, and then this led me to the plant medicine. And I had, um, I had been at the School of Medicine at the University of Miami uh, in the Department of Family Medicine and uh, Community Health. And, also the division of integrative and complementary medicine. And I had a patient that came to me who actually was a physician and he asked me, or he was actually kind of bragging about his, his um, upcoming 50th ayahuasca ceremony in Costa Rica. And I was like, I know what? And I didn't know this was, this was over five years ago. 
and I didn't, I hadn't heard about it. And, you know, I had with my specialty in alternative medicine and spirituality, it's like, I should know about this stuff. And, you know, he was explaining ayahuasca and how it's this Amazonian brew, this tea, and you drink it and it tastes terrible. And, and it, you know, it gives you visions, but it, it makes you purge and I'm, I could get diarrhea and all this stuff. And I thought, oh my God, this sounds terrible. This sounds awful. And 50 of these, I'm like, what do you, I didn't understand. And so I just kind of wrote him off as maybe somebody that had been to, you know, too many of the Burning Man festivals that they have and, <laughs> and probably did too many tabs of acid. And this guy, he was probably one of those, you know, psychonauts. And I certainly wasn't. And um, then a couple of weeks later, um, I had a patient that had come to me who had just had a baby. And this baby was born with a significant birth defect. And so she had come to me very, um, you know, very much concerned about how was she going to be the best possible mother for this child who would most certainly have a difficult childhood. So what happened was uh, she had asked me, do I know of this place in Orlando, uh, Nelly? Nelly, is it, escucha la, la, la noise más despacio? Uh, let's see. I'm sorry. I, my, my Spanish is not very good. And uh, <laughs> the people here have been so helpful in, in helping me. Um, but uh, so anyway, she had asked me if I knew about this place up in uh, Orlando, Florida called SoulQuest, uh, Ayahuasca Church of Mother Earth, where they consume this medicine. And I'm like, this ayahuasca stuff. And I'm like, this is so odd. This is twice <laughs> in the same month. I'm hearing about this plant medicine. And I'd never heard about it before. So, you know, I did what, what most people usually do when they are you know, curious about this kind of stuff is you go to Google and try to figure out how to spell ayahuasca. And then <laughs> I, I did all that, all that research. And I'm like, oh my God, you know, if this plant medicine is anything like what everyone says in these, you know, these testimonies and these documentaries, then I knew, I knew a lot of people, you know, patients that could benefit from this type of medicine. And so, um, so I dug into it pretty deeply and started researching and went to my first ayahuasca experience up at SoulQuest. Um, this was five years ago in April. What I experienced in my very first weekend changed the entire trajectory of my career. What I saw was, you know, what most people that are familiar with plant medicine, remarkable um, changes in people. It was like what, you know, people often say, you know, five, 10, 15 years of psychotherapy in a weekend. And, um, and I saw that and I was blown away and I'm like, this is it. This is, this is, this is a, um, an area that I really wanted to focus in. And so I got involved, um, with the, uh, with the organization. Now SoulQuest is in Orlando, Florida, and I'm no longer with SoulQuest, but SoulQuest was considered, uh, probably the largest ayahuasca church in the United States. They've had over uh, 20,000 um, individuals who have come to sit with the medicine um, there uh, with their shaman and their ayahuascaros. And uh, they'd actually uh, had a, a, a documentary, docu-series on Netflix called Unwell. And it's in episode five about ayahuasca and the American version of it. And... Um, so I became the uh, senior minister at SoulQuest eventually and uh, you know, really began to uh, become one of the leaders in the organization. 
and did a lot of integration development of their programs there, did the church services, uh, really emphasized um, the uh, a medical screening process for safety and that's kind of those standards. And so that's kind of what led me to getting involved with the medicine. And then every weekend we'd have retreats with, you know, 60 to 100 individuals working with the medicine. So that's a lot. And then we would have the aftercare program with up to 26 um, free post-ceremony integration style groups that were available for people to help them work with the medicine, integrate, we thought was such an important part. And, uh, and then I decided that it was time to go. So the, uh, the idea of coming to Ecuador uh, really appealed to me, um, this idea that uh, working in the place where ayahuasca is a national treasure in Amazon, in, in uh, Ecuador, in the Amazon here. Um, it's celebrated nationally and, um, and there's so much respect for it. In the United States, we've just been going through um, a huge battle with the, uh, with the government on our legalization process. And they determined that, that we weren't gonna get a, an exemption to be able to do ayahuasca. And so I thought that was the time that I needed to leave because I didn't want to do anything illegal. So I decided to, um, to come down to Ecuador. That's awesome. I, I love that. Like I'm making notes. So <laughs> while we are speaking. Well, yeah, I mean, one of the things that, you know, that has, that's really been driving this for me, you know, is the importance of our indigenous um, the tribes. And I don't think in the United States we have an appreciation for that. And so as part of what I'm trying to do is bring awareness to, you know, just to the needs of the indigenous um, communities. You know, the, um, the Sachuasi um, uh, Comunidad in, um, in uh, Pomona, um, Costanza, Ecuador, is the tribe I'm working with and the community I'm working with. And, you know, tourism, um, you know, is what's you know, often stated as a source of cultural erosion and you know anybody that's that's been working intimately with any of the indigenous tribes, um, like the one I'm working with um, with Sachuasi, you know it's just the opposite. You know it's really this cultural tourism has really rekindled the uh, their interests in preserving their traditional ways of life. You know these folks are are demonstrating the ways of their elders and their ancestors to to foreigners you know, through their ceremonies and through their apprenticeships. And, and this really generates like a lot of pride and motivation in the younger members to preserve their way of life. You know, this is an ancient way. And if they don't have their means to sustain themselves, then, you know, and it's, a, it's kind of pretty poor down here. They're, they're going to have to leave their tribal communities and go into towns and, and cities and find work to feed their families. And they have big families down here. So um, that's part of my goal is, is to really support the, the community here so that they are self-sufficient. And um, we've been doing a lot of infra infrastructure improvements. I've been, you've been seeing some of that on Facebook. Yeah, and, I uh, love it. And we're going to share in when we post this episode all the links where people can donate and get involved with this project. This is so important that we give back, you know, and 
uh, we are, I think, very used to in the West just taking, 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 you know, and, and not giving back. So thank you for, for doing this service. And, and it's, it's very wonderful. Um, I want to go back to the beginning and just I had a question uh, because yourself mentioned as well that you were trained in many different healing modalities, you know, and you had just expanded your toolbox. And certainly I really resonate with that. That's how I started as a psychologist, having a master's in psychology and then to go into alternative healing, especially breath work and Dr. Stanislav Grof, you know, the holotrope and yes. the different types of breath I work. Trained, I, I trained with him, yeah. Oh my God. In, in, like in, in Czechoslovakia, yeah. Yeah, he's my hero. And it's like, he's like next to my country. I'm from Hungary. So it's like wow, some good nice. people came out from, from Eastern Europe, I think. And Dr. Gabor Mate, also Hungarian. Yeah, you know, yeah, Hungarian. Pioneer in, in um, healing and addiction and trauma healing. So, and healing with the medicine also. I would love to have him as a guest at one point. Hopefully that will yeah. happen. But yeah. uh, my question is that, you know, often say that healers, we walk this path of the wounded healer and we, we become healers because we are looking for um, our own cure, you know, and to, to heal ourselves and to, to feel better. And this was certainly true for me. You know, I, I went towards this path because early in my life, I, I really knew very deeply that well, first, I thought there is something wrong with me, but then, then I just realized, you know, that a lot of things happened to me that that affected me, you know, on a deep, deep level and, and, and that had consequences in my everyday life. So certainly, while I always had this sense of serving other people, it was first my own quest. And this is how I get to the medicine as well. When, when I went to Peru, that uh, I wanted it for my healing and my uh, self-development. And at that point, I didn't consider to bring it into my practice. So do you resonate with this concept of the wounded healer? And do you want to share a little bit about this journey and how the medicine specifically helped you or changed your life? And, and if it did, in what way? Yeah, yeah, what a great question. Yeah, I'm, you know, it was, um, it was uh, Swami Satchidananda, who was the Woodstock guru who came to the United States from India in, you know, in the mid 60s. And, and in his great wisdom, and I'm a big fan of his, he's, he's no longer with us, but I just love his body of work. You know, he said that the, that the, that the mind is the mirror of the soul, and the body is a mirror of the mind. And if your mind is not reflecting your your sacredness, your immeasurable love, your, your immortal being, essentially, then you're, you have a dirty mind. And the ayahuasca, if you will, is, um, is kind of like this, uh, this window cleaner, this Windex that cleanses that mirror of the mind. So it reflects the truth within, the mm. truth about who we really are. And so I'm one of these people that along my journey um, arrived at the uh, understanding my belief is that we are already whole we are already perfect we are already complete whereas the creator created us however we understand this this notion of creation and that it is the clouded thinking that blocks the awareness of this fundamental truth and so it was through the work of um, you know as a therapist and you know I've worked with 25,000 patients over the years I've you know, healed myself with every one of those, you know, patients that I've worked with. I see myself in every one of them. And for me, it was 
uh, in childhood. I was a very sensitive child, very highly sensitive and very overreactive to um, to punishments and uh, conditions of childhood. My parents were, were very loving, but my father was very strict and stern. And I took a lot of things personally. And for some, you know, like Gabor Mate, he talks about trauma. You know, trauma is not necessarily that, you know, that you had a gun held to your head and you were a hostage for 14 days, you know, that was, that's traumatic, you know. Trauma is when something is, you know, overwhelming, to, so overwhelming inside. And for me, my childhood was extremely overwhelming at times. And in that overwhelming moment, I separated from myself. You know, like Freud said, the very definition of neurosis and psychosis, the separation from self. And in that separation, I created this, this, you know, persona, this adaptation to my true self. And that was my surviving self, which is not my authentic self. And so I went through many years of compensation and living out this, this other self. And, you know, I ended up at one point in time in my life you know, I was married and I had a son and I was the vice president of a $2.4 billion Norwegian utility company building renewable energy power plants. And I realized at this point in time in my life that this is not me, that I am not this guy. I, you know, before that, I mean, I had a, a, a number of business, I had a business that commercialized advanced industrial technologies out of the Pentagon and NASA. And, you know, this is, this is not me, who I am, who I know myself to be truly now. And, you know, it was along this path of trial and error, you know, trial and error, trial and error, that I finally figured out that what I'm doing in my life is not working. And I am, you know, putting these ideas out there into the universe because I think that they you know, those other people out there, my, my community, my family, my the other people, you know, we become uh, other focused people pleasers. You know, <laughs> my whole life was about that, you know, because what I learned very, very early on is that I don't matter. And this is how I arrived at that. I'm four years old. You know, I'm, I grew up in Lincoln, Nebraska. And, you know, my dad comes home and I was all excited because I heard that the Wizard of Oz was going to be coming on TV. And, you know, this is back in the 60s, you know, and the Wizard of Oz was, you know, was fun. You know, I knew all the songs, you know, we're off to see the wizard and all that stuff. And, and my dad comes home and says, no, we're watching Gunsmoke. And I was traumatized. I'm like, I am crying. It's like, no. And it's like, you know, probably got whacked or something. And I remember making a key decision that day. And that key decision was, what I want doesn't matter. And then I went further with it because, you know, we replay these, these moments in our heads and, and exaggerate them, make them worse. And, and, I, and I took it further and I went, I don't matter. And I took that faulty thinking and the emotions that went with it all the way through my childhood and my you know, adolescence and my early adulthood and into my adulthood. And everything I did was a result of this disconnection from the idea that I mattered. If I didn't matter, who mattered? Right? That meant that they mattered. My ex-wife mattered. My, you know, my father or my community or my friends in high school, they all matter. What they think of me matters. And so it took years for me to reach that point I where 
You lost me? Okay, you're back. Yeah. Oh, okay. okay perfect. What, part, what part did you lose me at? Uh, that uh, you you internalize and you said that yeah. I don't matter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it took it took years for me to work through that. And it wasn't until I actually um, started to do the deeper work that it really was the foundation that set me up to go further with the plant medicine. And so, you know, it wasn't until I was much older um, that I was introduced to the ayahuasca and, and what it did for me was that final, that final step, you know, that final, you know, that final step, you know, um, uh, in my early twenties, I, when I went to, uh, when I went to Los Angeles, I went to uh, college in, uh, at UCLA in, in Los Angeles and my, my host family, my, my surrogate family were very interesting people. And it was um, Jeremy Tarcher, who was a, 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 the largest West Coast book publisher, and Sherry Lewis, which was an entertainer with Lamb Chop. And these were my, my, my uh, mentors and my guides. And at that time, um, Jeremy, I had a job with Jeremy, and we were working on Timothy Leary's autobiography. <laughs> and, and we were at the Hollywood Bowl, and we were having a you know, a, a, a symphony outing with the picnic and everything that they do there. And, and Jeremy's talking to me about the difference between having faith and knowing God. And, you know, and he was telling me that the difference is um, LSD, trying LSD, you know, trying acid, you know, using, you know, these, these medicines. And at that time in my life, I'm like, I'm from Nebraska. We don't, that's not right. We don't do that. <laughs> So, but after working with, you know, with Tim Leary on his book for a while, I started to uh, uh, lean into it. And I had my very first LSD experience from Tim Leary. And it was amazing. And so that gave me that, uh, that needed push later on when I found out that ayahuasca can do the next step, which is have a direct experience with the supreme being or the supreme or the god or the source or whatever it was and and that's where i felt i was at at that moment i'd done my work i felt like i'd grown a lot i'd psychologically orient, oriented to a lot of issues but i wanted to have the direct experience like i wanted to know god and i'd remembered what jeremy had told me you know when i was 20 you know 22 or whatever it was that there's a difference and that these kinds of medicines can do that. And sure enough, that's what happened. <laughs> that's awesome. Thank you for sharing. I, I love, you know, I have so many uh, questions, you know, and so many things that I can deeply relate to. Um, one of them is this concept that you were talking about that disease or un being unwell is um, because of separation and disconnection from our true self. And uh, I was I was invited recently to to a group and the topic we talked about was like, what does it mean to be a man and the whole conversation was escalating from what does it mean to be a man of like what does it mean to be a human really. And then from there, what does it mean to be not to be a human? Because I, I feel the same way that we are born like a shining diamond already perfect and whole and divine. 
And then uh, my metaphor is that dueling life is layers of shit is like piled on that diamond. And, and then you forget that you are that diamond and you think that you are the pile of shit, you know, and that is that type of disconnection what we are talking about. And certainly in my journey, you know, as I was coming from psychology through the holistic modalities, it was this search for this connection. You know, and, and, and I, I, I keep learning new modalities, new stuff all the time. And people were like, you're so overqualified. Now, why are you learning? And I'm like, no, I'm still, something is still missing, you know? Yeah. And, and when I en ended up, you know, coming to the medicine, it was like, wow, this, this was that missing, missing step, you know, that, that connected me with source because all the other modalities helped me with the mental, emotional realms and going to the unconscious and so on and so forth. But I, I grew up in a communist country. So I grew, grew up without religion, without spirituality. So that was like just this big void for me. I didn't even have concepts of, of the divine or what does that mean? And, and, and suddenly, you know, when I came to work with, with the ayahuasca, that I had the direct experience, as you said, it is not a, a mental concept, it's not an intellectual knowing that, yeah, we are all one and there is source and all that, but I like experiencing that connectedness, experiencing your divinity, experiencing that source and experiencing who you are under that pile of shit, you know, that, that was put on or, you know, built on during the year. So um, I always say to people that for me, healing is returning to a natural state of wholeness, is a returning, is a remembering. It's nothing that you need to acquire or put or search outside and, and put in, you already are. The problem is that that our conditionings, you know, trauma, co mental constructs are disconnecting us from that essence. And I believe what this medicine can do very well is to help us to reconnect, to help us to remember and, and return to that original state and let go of what you are not. As you were saying, you know, you realize I'm not this, I am not that, I'm not the anger, I'm not the career, I'm not this title, I'm not this. So just letting go of this so we can be just stepping into this more authentic self of who we already are. And, and this is so beautiful. And, and um, I, I just uh, wanna communicate to your audience that also what, what you mentioned that you had a great deal of preparation. You had, uh, you did some uh, lots of internal work on yourself. You, you did have tools, you did have practices that you already- And, and my PhD is, it has a lot of specialization in inner child work. <laughs> I think that's vital. Absolutely, Vital. I'm so resonating with that. We are just actually doing the next episode about that on the podcast, so stay tuned for Healing the Inner Child. And uh, yeah, and, and uh, just, you know, for people who are considering to work with this medicine, uh, what, what's, your, what's your perspective on that this is not for everybody? This is, this is kind of like a warrior path and to go into this world without any kind of knowing or preparation or, or you know, having any kind of tools or support system um, might not be, you know, for the benefit of the of, of certain individuals. So what is your perspective on this? So yeah, I always say that just like I'm not everybody's cup of tea as a therapist, you know, <laughs> uh, ayahuasca and other plant medicines, not necessarily 
um, that individual's uh, path. You know, we're all, um, you know, coming at this life with free will. We get to explore and suss out all the different uh, adventures that we feel led to. And I never would have imagined, you know, sitting in, with an indigenous tribe in a smoky Maloka, you know, getting beat with these, you know, leaves and spit on with this, this, <laughs> this spray in Olympia right before a, an ayahuasca ceremony with my shirt off and, you know, and seeing lights inside my, my head and spinning because the energy is so great. I never would have imagined that. And nor me sitting in a place, you know, I'm from Nebraska. Nebraska is the in middle of the United States. It's, it's very conservative, very normal, all American apple pie, you know, and you just don't, don't get to cross paths like that. And so I think that one of the calling, one of the things that happens with this medicine is you get a calling. Something triggers you, something speaks to you about it. And for me, the, the call had to do with the higher realms, the, the spiritual divine nature of the medicine. You know, it's called the, you know, the vine of death, you know, which is death rebirth. Some mm -hmm. have call it the vine of the soul. Um, so I think that, that it's, it's, it's not for everybody. Of course, the obvious, the contraindicated um, uh, uh, medications, you know, your selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, your, your antidepressants, your certain mental um, uh, uh, illnesses are excluded. But those people who I think are, are very serious about um, relieving themselves of the trauma might really find ayahuasca or plant medicine to be the, the catalyst that they need to heal themselves. You know, I always say there is no shaman, there is no guru, there is no doctor, and there is no medicine that is going to heal you, right? You know, and you have these people that spend, you know, you spend like, we are, we are doing these retreats down here and they cost like $2,500. And it's like, you know, no amount of money that you spend is going to heal you, right? It's you that's got to heal you because you are the only one that can do that. And so you have to have, a, I think, a, a desire, one, to heal. Like I, there's, you know, a thing of spiritual bypassing that happens with a lot of people. They, they get on a spiritual path and they want everything to be all kumbaya and all yummy and all sweet. And, you know, and somebody cuts you off in traffic and you start swearing, you become a real asshole. And it's like, oh, I'm spiritual. I can't be that way. You know, well, guess what? That's your shadow shadow and so it's like you got to be brave enough and strong enough to look into your shadow and the shadow is the the stuff you don't want to admit the stuff that you don't want people to see it's your your dark side your 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 secretiveness your you know your private your oops your private stuff right and so you know i think that a person that comes to this kind of medicine needs to have enough spiritual strength or knowledge or whatever it is to face the shadow. And, uh, you know, which is, you know, if you find out your, your shadow is, 
is driving right now <laughs> in the front seat, you know, it's a matter of taking control back and saying, you, my angry self, you're in the back seat. I'm in charge. You know, I have this holistic system that I've been working with for years that um, I think simplifies it so well. And so that when a person comes to the medicine, ultimately it, it realigns them with their chooser. And so, you know, you have your physical body, uh, you know, your, your meat sack, right? With all its <laughs> appetites and desires and urges and all that. And then you have your emotional body and then you have your mental body. Now your emotional body is that accumulation of all your feelings, good and bad, in your whole life. You know, when you think about like your memory banks, it's like 80% of them in your brain are, are roughly something like that are, are designed to store negative memories, right? You can have like, you know, 12 great things happen to you in a day and one bad thing happens. And what do you suppose you talk about at dinner? <laughs> the one bad thing. And so the emotional body is another part. And then the mental body, remember that part of you? I don't know if you grew up believing in Santa Claus, but I sure did. And we have this part of us that most of us really don't have a relationship with. And that's the chooser. You know, it was um, Viktor Frankl, the Holocaust survivor, that really helped us understand, you know, this concept so well. And ultimately, it is up to us, the chooser, to decide between fear and love and action and non-action, this sort of thing. And this is where the game is won or lost. And, you know, Viktor Frankl taught us, you know, in the Auschwitz and the Nazi concentration camps, 24 out of 25 prisoners would die. And, you know, and he gave us insights, you know, when they're when they take everything from you. Right. They 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 take your hair. Right. They, they take your name and they tattoo a number on your arm. They, they, they took his life's work. They murdered his family. They took everything from him. And what he taught us, and he wrote the book Man's Search for Meaning, which sold millions of copies. He, you know, what he, what he said was when they take everything from you, all you have left is how you choose to respond to the circumstances in your life. And this is where we have to get to is that I am the chooser. I'm responsible. I was the four-year-old that chose to believe this thought, I don't matter, right? I'm the chooser. And so therefore I'm responsible for my healing. I'm responsible for every action that I've reacted to or every reaction that I've had and every thought that I've, you know, that I've accepted into my being. And so physical body, emotional body, mental body, and chooser, so important. Now, when we look at these first three, the physical body, emotional body, mental body, those are really what we call the ego. And, you know, I love Wayne Dyer. Wayne Dyer said the ego stands for edge God out, right? And so this is really the identification of our human body, right? The chooser is not a part of the human body. Right? It's part of our being. It's part of our consciousness, our essence. And then we have, after the chooser, we have the, the true self, the, the potential self, the, the, the spark of the divine that was given to us by the divine, however you define the divine. Right? And so, you know, here's where, here's where the medicine comes in. You know, when we come into a medicine experience and 
we have thoughts and feelings and physical activities that are that are stirring us they're preventing us from you know from wanting to change and grow right it knows fear protection survival right the ego doesn't know love and so when we come to the to work with the medicine it's really i think for people who are uh, ready to face the truth and the truth is it's up to me <laughs> and the world isn't what i thought it was you know we've got a a history of people, you know, like we were going back to Gabor Mate's model of separation from trauma. Well, society, thousands of years of ego-driven society and culture and religions and all that kind of stuff created this model of the world for us. So our ego goes, this is, this is the way it is. I can't see it, so it can't be true, right? I can't see God, so I don't know. It doesn't, it, he doesn't exist, doesn't exist, whatever. And yet I say to them, can you see gravity? No. You know, just see the effects of it. You know, can you see the wind? No, you can just see the effects of it. Well, can you see love? No, but you can feel and see the effects of it. And same thing with this whole God business, right? You can't see God, but you can experience the effects of it. I mean, look at the miracles of life. So for the person who I think is in alignment or or ready or more interested in this kind of it, uh, it path, I think it's one's, someone that is interested in the deeper dive, who are ready to see. You know, there is a, a movie, a Jack Nicholson movie, A Few Good Men, and he would say, you can't handle the truth, right? You can't handle the yeah. truth, right? And Absolutely. many of us, you know, we could come to an ayahuasca experience and have the truth just handed to us at our feet. And then it's like, it blows our circuits because it's just beyond us. You know, one of my best friends, a dear friend, Dr. Robert Lanza wrote the book on biocentrism and is a very famous scientist. And, you know, there was a, a post I saw this morning in Facebook from him and, and it's all about being, you know, the observer. You are the universe. You are the universe. And without you, guess what? Right? You're part of the all. And so, you know, these are, these are the mysteries that get un, untangled in medicine work. It's like, well, oh, that's so complicated with my, my mind, my brain. I can't, you know, I can't conceive of it. It's like, you know, here's a cup. You know, this is like our brain. This is like our being, our mind, right? And then the ocean is God. The ocean is the spirit. The ocean is the universe. And try to con contain that, right, in a little cup. Right. Yeah. Or even we, understand it with the limited human mind, you know, it's, it's really beyond. not possible. Yeah. And that's yeah. why, you know, we are working with these amazing tools and allies like this medicine to, to help us, you know, to go beyond the ego and the limited human mind, you know, that really cannot understand a lot of the mystery that is life mystery. is. Um, and every culture has been every culture has been using this medicine, not just ayahuasca, but you know the soma from the Himalayas, you know the 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 monks and the brahmachuri, you know the yeah. the the different medicine, the amanita muscaria mushroom that's been used in Siberia, all these you know interesting um, plant medicines that are available that bring in inspiration and insight. We see, it's like like the movie Back to Wizard of Oz. It's like you pull back the curtain. It's like oh shit. It's this little munchkin. That's I love that. That's God. 
I, uh, I really so resonate with what you're saying and it's like you're speaking from my heart and it's so good to get this kind of affirmation, you know, as well from, from other people who walk on the same path because, uh, yeah, I was very solitary for a long while in terms of um, I didn't know many people who work with this medicine when I began like to, 10 years ago, so I didn't have a lot of guide, guidance or even uh, people who could relate to my experience so it's 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 I really appreciate you know these new connections and collaborations and that there is more information and more people um, now are available and just back to you know the preparation and who is this medicine for um, I'm just want to repeat what you said that you have to have really a strong desire to heal and to change your life like I personally the, the majority of the people I work with in my practice they they suffer from chronic disease and for a long long time they tried everything all kinds of pharmaceutical and holistic you know um, modalities and they still suffer and they're still in pain and and one of the reason I love working with this type of people because they have a huge commitment you know they are at that point that I will do anything you know I'm yeah. ready to face anything to to change my life to get better you know to feel myself again and I think this is so important because as you said you are the healer and this is almost every episode we just repeat that that this plant is not a magic pill and it's not going to heal you and make all your troubles go away um, on the contrary you know things will get worse before they get better sure. normally you know as we're going to talk about this death and rebirth process but so so the strong desire to heal and the commitment and also the awareness that you are the healer and only you have this power you know the awareness that and and the readiness to take that responsibility to somehow understand that you ended up in this situation you had something to do with it you know and right. taking that responsibility i think it can be very challenging to some people you know because we are so conditioned to blame things on circumstances and other people and so on and so forth but when you're ready to take that responsibility, I think it's so liberating because once you say, okay, I created this, guess what? Now you can uncreate it or create something different, mm -hmm. you know? So it's, it's, it's uh, some people, I think, believe that responsibility is something not good, but actually I, I, I think it's very liberating and it's very empowering when somebody comes to this point of, yeah, I'm ready to see this, you know, and that means that I can change it, whatever is there, and that that is freedom. Mm -hmm. And that idea, that word that you use, responsibility, it's like, oh my God, it's like, I'm responsible. It's like, like you know, it's like a person who's been molested by their father, their you know grandfather, whatever it is, it's like, how am I responsible mm -hmm. for that it's like not you're responsible for the molestation but you're responsible for your reaction to it your the way you respond to it and i like to think of as responsibility as respond with abilities i love right? that yeah, yeah i use that too the ability to respond the ability right? to respond instead and, of react which we mm, talked about that right you know it's a trauma response what you are perpetuating when you are unconsciously just playing out the same scenario and mm -hmm. that is not freedom you know that is mm -hmm. that is bondage really you know so right so with, with when you gain back that ability to respond it's really is the beginning of freedom you know and change mm -hmm. in in the individual's yeah. life 
I, I love what you're doing here because what you're allowing this community to do is establish a common vernacular. You know, how do we relate to this stuff? We, you know, we're multidimensional beings. It's like, whoa, wait a minute, multidimensional. That's a bunch of woo-woo crap. Like, what do you mean multidimensional? And it's like, okay, so you sit, say you sit with psilocybin, right? And you have a good whack of it, you know? You can have an experience of the divine that is beyond any words that you could describe. <laughs> just like with ayahuasca or guantha or any of these medicines. And it's just like, you know, it's, it's great to have what I think is a medicine in and of itself. And that is community. And community is as important, I think, as the medicine. It's the context that the medicine is consumed in because we have to have some way of, of expressing, putting into words, owning our experience, and then finding the vernacular to share it because we're all in this together, right? It's like, you know, we're all going through this again and again and again. And I'm one of those, you know, um, those uh, people that that truly believe that we're having simultaneous lifetimes, you know, multi-dimensional, you know, not linear, three-dimensional linear timeline type of thing, but that all of our lifetimes are happening simultaneously in past life format, you know, type of concept. And that what we do right now is affecting not just our life, but all of our soul's lives and all of our ancestors' lives and our planet and our universe. And when we can get out of our own way, and you know, I had a, my, uh, I'm a, a Kriya Bon and Kriya Yoga, and my, my, my guru would always say, you know, just love, 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 love. It's all about love, it's all about love, you know? And it's like, oh, it can't be that simple, right? It can't be that simple, you know? And I had, and I had, helped Marianne Williamson in the Course in Miracles get her uh, get her first book published in the back in the mid 80s and was really a part really into the Course in Miracles and you know I love the Course in Miracles because you know Marianne would say uh, love is the answer what's the question right it's like it's how can it be so simple and yet sometimes I think we have to take the circuitous route to get to that point of realizing that it is that simple I have to love my body I have to love my brother and my sister as myself, right? And I have to, I have to vibrate at the loving vibration. And in doing that, I can help the vibration around me raise. And my body is going to reflect that, that mirror of who I think I am. And if yes. I am love, if I am love, then chances are I'm not all Mr. Poopy Pants who in the poopy diaper and all grumpy, you know, and all that kind of stuff. That's not love. Right? Yeah. I'm not I'm not critical, you know. I'm not being hostile. I'm not being dishonest. There are attributes to, you know, the in point. You know, it's like what all this. What's all the point of all this healing? Like, what are we doing this for? Right? <laughs> Absolutely. And and I, you know, my motto uh, of my practice is really that you are the healer and love is the medicine. So I <laughs> I love that you bring this up. And actually, I myself spent some years with the Course in Miracles. But really, what what stuck in my mind as as my main takeaway, what Marion Williamson was saying as well, that the miracle is moving from fear to love. 
And this was so accentuated, you know, this message with my journey with the medicine, because as we talked about, you are already love, you are a divine being of love, unconditional love, um, that, that's who you are, that's who we already are, that's not something you need to learn to be, you are, but those layers of shit that we talked about before, that is fear. I truly believe that fear is a disease, you know, and healing is letting go of that fear. And the only way to let go is to move through it, you know, facing your fear. And here it comes in, you know, the right, medicine right. of the dead and the death and rebirth and, uh, you know, just. And, and it's not it's not the it's not the fear that walks through the door. Right. It's the courage that walks through the door. Exactly. Exactly. And the, and, it, and, and, and the fear is close in tow. Right. It's right behind yeah. you. It's always, it's yeah. always there, too. But the courage yeah. and, is leading. Yeah. And that shadow work that you, you were um, mentioning earlier is really working through this fear and facing these fears. And this is a very courageous act because you or, or me or all of us wants to go away from fear instinctually, right? And go towards pleasure, which is just very right. normal. So this, this requires again, a conscious uh, voluntarily decision that no, I'm gonna going towards that. I'm going towards the darkness. I'm going towards the fear and I'm moving through it because I understand that this is how I can let go and return to that love, return to that wholeness. Mm -hmm. So just again, connecting back for our audience that this is not a magic pill. And, you know, my experience was, and I was so naive, you know, when I went to work first with this medicine, I, I did believe that I'm gonna just, you know, everything's gonna be fine after I do this. And when I left the jungle, you know, they said that the real work starts now. And I was like, yeah. excuse me, what, what, what are, what yeah, are you like talking two, about? Two percent. You know? Two percent on the mat and the 98 percent after you go home. Yeah, exactly. And I, I, I had no idea at that point. I was like, what? What are you talking about? I thought that, you know, like I'm over the, the worst part. I mean, it was very a hardcore journey for me. You know, the training with the Shipibo as if I wanted to leave halfway through. I was in a complete breakdown. I'm like, send me the boat. <laughs> get me home i don't want to drink any more medicine thank you very much like um i want to leave you know I, I i was in an extreme state of discomfort and darkness and and even though i was for many years i was a healer i had spiritual practices so on and so forth so uh it is it wasn't a, a pleasant experience so just you know for our audience to understand that. Okay, we're gonna. Let I'm, yeah, they, these guys are talking so loud. Because, sorry, no, I'm sorry. That's okay. We can just cut this. I'm sorry. Um. So yeah. So what you know what you mentioned as well, and I think that we we need to have to do a part two that we're gonna talk more about the integration and what what uh, does that mean and what does that shadow work mean because it's so many juicy stuff now that I think you know we can't fit it into one one podcast. But yeah, I just I just relate to this so much. This simplicity moving from fear to love and that ability to respond and that ability to choose in every moment will i yeah. act from the fear or will i act from that love that i already and and to go through this process compassionately our poor ego 
think about the ego. I mean, people think, oh, the ego, let's kill the ego. Let's drink this medicine, have ego death. And it's like, no, like I love the, the, the Rachel Jameson is, uh, is a modern yogini in San, San Diego. And she talks about it in a, a Vedic perspective. It's like, we need to enlighten the ego and love the ego. Think about it. This is this biological network that has been with you since the establishment of your physical presence on this planet. Right, its whole effort has been to keep you alive and to keep your brain wired and you know keep you safe. And you know this is not; it wasn't meant to drive the bus, right? But it is. So we we want to love the ego, understand it's doing its job. It's like a wild pit bull that's been mistreated its whole life, and it needs a new trainer, right? It needs to get integrated with the wisdom of the alpha energy which is your spirit and so that the you know like the training the training of a of a dog for example you know it needs to have an alpha presence so that it knows that hey it could just sit there and lick its butt it doesn't have to sit there and listen to every rustling wind and every you know ups truck that goes by and you know get all you know into defense you know this is what the ego is all about and so as we do this medicine work, you know, we bring these great insights up on the mountain, we get it in our little big glimpses of enlightenment. And we're supposed to bring that wisdom from the mountain down to the back into the ground where we chop wood and carry water. Well, chop wood, carry water means integrate it into our ego, not kill our ego, but educate our ego. It's like, oh, I ego is yeah, ego driving this so much because I really don't resonate with this concept that you have to get rid of your ego or kill it. Or I think you have to have an ego to exist in this world. You know, it's a part of your physical it's, identity. You yeah, have to have it. Context, but you know, you are so right. What you're saying that is the ego the master or the servant? You know, that's a very different question. And I think you know that yeah. the longest journey is from the head to the heart. The heart. You know, yeah. is what we are talking about that where is your center and where do you live from? You know, and you need your mind, you need your ego. But if 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 your heart is your driver, is the boss, you know, or I say the soul is the boss. Oh, yeah. <laughs> then yeah. you know that's a very different experience than living from the head and right. living you know as right. we talked about it that because your mind is so limited so you are living from that limitation mm -hmm. in your whole life where you can live you know from this just expansion and and this amazing beauty and power you know that we all have but we just got kind of sidetracked from in a way evolution it's really that chooser it's really being conscious in that point where we are the chooser and being conscious of, oh, these are my, these are my thoughts. These are my feelings. These are the, the thoughts that used to believe in Santa Claus. This is who's advising me about big decisions that I'm making. Wait a minute. So the chooser has to be able to distinguish between the voices it's hearing in the head. Where's the source of that voice? That's coming from my ego. Well, not a very reliable source, right? right. It's usually coming from fear and protection. So right. you know, the, the ego is, think about it, all those voices in your ego, those are you. Those are you when you were a little girl, when you were told, be quiet, don't speak up, stop doing this. You know, you, you can't be that way. You know, you're too noisy. You know, you're supposed to be, be whatever, right? 
those right. voices in the ego that are triggering you for protection and for for you know safety and all that are the inner child and you going these are unresolved painful experiences and we're going to get it again oh god it's going to hurt worse than ever and right. so it's like our response to that should be love and compassion and deep understanding and say i hear you baby yeah no get in the back seat there's no there's no picking a fight with this guy no, I get it. You were bullied when you were a kid. You're not going to do that again. Get back there now. Absolutely. Right. I'm, I'm in I charge. I resonate with that. And I think it's remembering that we have a choice because, you know, many people just think that way that I don't have a choice. I don't have a choice. You know, this is how I am. This is how things are. And when we go beyond the mind and, and beyond the ego and beyond, you know, into this more expanded self into our true self of who we are then we start to remember that i am all powerful of course i have a choice you know yeah. of course i have a choice in every moment and just to remember that you know and i think for me it's uh, the real test of how you're doing it is like how you're gonna be navigating your life you know thanks to your experiences because the pain won't stop the the overwhelm or the intensity of life won't stop so <laughs> what you're gonna do about it you know uh, and and that's what changed for me hugely in my journey that before as an empath as a very sensitive person i would be just spiraling down you know when i would have intensity and i would face intensity or adversity it would affect me you know in in, in a negative way and i would lose my power and and what the medicine really helped me to to anchor into that powerful state and and to remember this even when i'm afraid even when i'm in intensity even when i'm under stress and i think what's happening in the world this is just you know almost like a master class for me and i was like saying a friend of mine that like i i feel like i am in an ayahuasca ceremony 24 7 you know yes, the last true. year and a half and 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 this just that constant application of what i know to be true and to remember each moment that i do have a choice i do have a choice of how do i respond in any given situation and and that i am something bigger i am not that fear i am not that anger i am not that low self-esteem i can i am something bigger that can hold all that with love you know as you said in a, in a loving compassionate way and i can say to myself it's okay that I'm afraid, you know, right now, you know, and I can hold that fear like I would hold a baby with that love and compassion and remember that this shall be passed, right? Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, and give it, and really give it the support that it needs. Yeah. You know, we're, um, we're doing these uh, retreats down here with the, uh, with the community. And I, you know, it starts with preparation and we we spend time having these conversations in advance it's like you know like i mentioned community is a medicine well that starts that starts by people coming together and having the courage to speak honestly about who they are where they're at right and why they're being called to the medicine or why they what they want from the medicine and when anybody is you know i think contemplating doing work with medicine i think it's important to know who you're who you're traveling with who are your who are your compadres that are there with you and when you know like in our we're with the uh, the jungle medicine retreat the that we do here um that's part of the experience having 
um, community building experiences, going to the waterfalls and going down the river in a hand carved canoe and, you know, planting ayahuasca, harvesting ayahuasca, making ayahuasca, you know, these are all collectively done gathering, you know, firewood, replacing what we've taken from the jungle and replacing it. And so these are components that, that build community and allow people the chance to, you know, start to talk and, and share because this is what's missing connection. Absolutely. I so resonate with that. And that's why I'm also doing this integration work. I'm doing this podcast because I was, you know, I, I, I was trying to figure this out for, for a number of years, because what you mentioned as well, that we have this cultural divide, you know, where the medicine is coming from, that's a different world for us. You know, a shamanic worldview is completely different from a Western worldview. So I was like, why not? Why, why the Shipibos didn't talk to me about integration? I was wondering of that. And then I understood that they don't need integration. They are in the integration because they are in the land. They are in the community. They live there. They are with people who understand this. They have history. They have heritage. So we need integration in the West because we come from a completely different context either to work with this medicine or the medicine comes to us it doesn't matter you know and then we we go back or we stay in these different contexts when we cannot relate you know with our experiences what just happened to me who i can talk to like nobody can relate to what you went through nobody understands what what does that entail you know what what is this whole world is about so i just um that's why you know we are we are doing all these conversations to to, to make people aware, you know, that for us in the West, it's very needed that we prepare and then we have integration and we, we, we understand these things that an indigenous person doesn't have to understand because they understood it when they were two years old, you know, like, so, so it's just so different for, for yeah. us. And uh, this episode, it we more, you know, talked about the preparation. So just to, to recap for our audience. So, the calling, you know, if you are listening to this podcast, probably that's part of your calling, you know, you are, you are exploring this topic, having a strong desire to heal or to change your life, you know, for some personal reason, having courage, you know, to face your fears and, uh, and being willing and open to take full responsibility for your life and for your experience. So I think these are very crucial that people can think about or can do. And then beyond that, what you mentioned, do your research, you know, do your research, connect with people who did this, you know, not just necessarily your friend who went to a ceremony and had one experience and now mm -hmm. suddenly he or she is an expert, but, but talk to professional people or like Dr. Scott, like myself, organizations, you know, people who are into this for a while and have experience, you know, as them have personal consultations, you know, and then, then once, you know, all of this is lined up, you know, then, then you can go into the physical preparation and setting an intention. And, and that's, that's also something we didn't, we talk about other episodes, setting an intention and how important it is to have a clear intention and how that will shape your journey, you know, and your experience, you know, with this beautiful plant ally. So these are some things, you know, to 
to consider definitely when somebody is contemplating, you know, to, to go down this path. And, and just to, to, to wrap it up for today, um, I always say to people, when you say yes to this journey, the medicine is already connected to you and working with you. So that's why I do pre-sessions with people to work through material that is arising before the journey. So what is your perspective on that? Yeah, that's what we do here too. You know, the um, you know I've, I've been doing this uh, with SoulQuest for five years. With you know we had the twenty thousand people come through there, so we ironed out um, the flow really well. The, the the preparation process, and then you know for folks that come to the retreats that I'm doing down here in Ecuador, and they can find out that information uh, by going to um, uh, junglemedicineretreat.com not with an S, junglemedicineretreat.com. And it, what we do is integration, well, we do the prep, prep work, but then integration during the experience. So, you know, in our, we do 11-day retreat. We have seven-day retreats. We've got custom retreats. You know, there's an apprenticeship that's available for folks who are interested in more about facilitating and how to, you know, have, gain a greater perspective from the, from the, um, uh, Kichwa perspective, you know, these, um, these experiences um, are, are really have built into them integration. So it, it, you do four ayahuasca ceremonies in 11 day retreat, if you have the option to do those, there's integration between after each one of those, so you gotta have some kind of like, uh, way of trying to put into words, your own experience. Like for some people, they don't have a voice at home. Nobody listens to them and, or in their life. It's like, they're just kind of, nobody cares, right? And so we work on creating a really safe container where people feel they're unconditionally supported with the loving group that says, you know, hey, you're great just the way you are. Just, just know we're safe here. And people start talking about stuff that comes up in their, in their medicine work. I can tell you, I think 50% of the population has been molested. I mean, it's unbelievable how large the number of people, um, numbers are with people. And so sometimes it's very difficult to admit that happened. And so trust within that small circle and in your integration group helps you to begin to put into words what your experience was and then to own it. It's like, it's actually happened. You know, I was... You know, it was a traumatic childhood. It did, you know, it did cause, you know, so much physical pain. And it's like, I, you know, I did, you know, whatever. I was in the battlefield and I did kill, you know, 20 people, whatever these traumas are. It's so important to be able to own that, share that, speak that truth in, in a context that's naturally therapeutic, loving and supportive. You know, so Definitely. and we but see ourselves, our mirror. Everyone's a mirror to us, and so yeah. And also, I think you know that that you become aware because uh, you know I remember my own experience that for a long time I thought only I suffer in the world. Everybody else is happy. You know, I'm I'm alone. And then you know, actually, being a therapist was very therapeutic for me to get a perspective on my pain and my suffering. You know, and then just to realize that all of us are suffering. So suddenly, you know, you don't feel so alone. You don't feel so isolated. Mm -hmm. it, it helps to, it, like, this is not to diminish anybody's trauma or experience, obviously, or there is no comparison here. It's just the fact that 
you know we are in the same boat as you said we we all do suffer and to to listen to each other and to create safe places where we can share is part of the healing you know the acknowledgement that yeah this happened you know that it's it's like almost like in aa you have to come to the point that you acknowledge that there there is something wrong you know otherwise you cannot even begin to heal you know and that's, that's right. when people are in denial and i know many people who are like no i'm fine there is no problem but look at their lives and then you see that there are problems but they are not even ready to acknowledge that yeah something is not working and some change is needed so um this is and then at some point and then at some point sorry to interrupt you at some point we have to put all that happened into a kind of perspective where all that tragedy becomes treasure. I wouldn't change one second of my life. You know, I think of all the negative experiences as like a bow and arrow and all that negative, 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 negative stuff is like that, that force that pulls back the negative force that pulls back that string and that bow. And what does it do? Once we release it, like in an ayahuasca ceremony, we actually let it go. It take, launches an arrow into an entirely new target in our lives that we couldn't get there without all of this, right? It's like when I think about you as a therapist as well, we know that our pain and suffering gives us x-ray vision into other people's pain and suffering. And so this becomes our seasoning. What good would you be being a fluffy white angel? Right. Yeah, and I totally, you know, I so resonate with turning our challenges into gifts. And I think Joseph Campbell with the hero's journey, mm -hmm. it's, it's yeah. such a beautiful uh, approach to this, you know, how you go through this whole journey and then you you receive that gift, that gem, you know, in the end of your journey. Yeah. And then you share it, you know, that's, that's the service, you know, Wait. you share it, mm -hmm. you know, you share it with the world, you share it with others and help others to turn their challenges into gifts. And, and, and I certainly experienced this like so many times with, with the help of, of this beautiful plant mm -hmm. ally. So I think it's a good um, mm -hmm. wrap up for our, for our conversation yep. for today. So before we finish up, we're gonna share all your information and all your offerings in the description of the video. And we're gonna do a part two if you are up for it. When oh, you sure. dive into the integration and sure. what happens after because it's just so many things to talk about. So um, do you have anything that you would like to express right now or any message that you wanna send out into the world to our audience? Oh. Well, first, I want to thank you for, for inviting me on today. And, you know, what I do is, is really in an effort to, to help communicate that there is help out there. There are all kinds of paths to healing. And, you know, it breaks my heart when I feel like there's someone out there suffering and who does not know that there is an option like this available. And I'm not one of those people that go out there on shouting it from the rooftops and that sort of thing. You know, I think that it's important for us to live and walk the walk and talk the talk and, you know, and to really express the universal teachings of Mother Ayahuasca in our deeds and actions. And so, you know, in, in sharing this information with anybody who's out there, I know that there are people out there who are at the end of their rope and they think that there is nothing else left for me except for to kill myself. And I know this because at SoulQuest every weekend, we'd have people that would come to us that would tell us that on Sunday after they did their, you know, two or three ayahuasca ceremonies. And then they would say, I don't want to die anymore. And they would have a reconnection, some kind of conversion experience. And so if you're at the end of your rope,
you know it's like here in the jungle like tarzan it's like let's grab another rope <laughs> let's keep swinging right and one of these things that we can do with ayahuasca is you know is really uh spread the word if you know somebody that's in trouble if you see something say something and maybe it's just you know share with them if you want our our netflix you know documentary you know uh which is really great at explaining you know, what ayahuasca is and what's the in, title in America. for that do you know it's called unwell and it's okay. episode five and there was also another documentary that was done that was uh called uh from shock to awe and it was about veterans with ptsd and you know we have a special program at jungle medicine retreats for our veterans and those that are um, struggling who cannot afford to come we have benefactors that have provided scholarships so they can come to the uh, to the amazon for free we pay for their airfare and their retreats while they're here so they can get the deep healing that they need so you're not if you're out there and you're struggling just know that there are there are people who um, have experienced this medicine just like in situations where you're at they can get help they can share it with you so reach out to us reach yes, out to Nina. thank you <laughs> yeah reach out to both of us and and remember that help is always available and if you do not need help but you can give back something please uh, be there in that uh, capacity for for these projects for these people you know for these communities who are growing the medicine and 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 taking care of this heritage and this beautiful uh, way of healing so we're going to share all the links for that and just remember that you are the healer and love is the medicine so stay tuned for our next episode and sending lots of love to you all